Welcome everyone to episode 180 of the Red Zone Restrictor podcast. I'm your host David Comerford and I'm joined by Mark Baker as we discuss Liverpool's 2-0 win over Burnley. This podcast is part of the Big Heads Media Podcast Network. Go to bigheadsmedia.com for more great podcasts. So Liverpool pretty much scored at the start and then right at the end at Turf Moor in this Boxing Day game. Darwin Nunez got his first goal in 12 matches to open the score after six minutes. And then in the final minute of normal time, Diogo Jota back from injury after missing nine games with a muscle problem, uh, sealed the three points. They actually had two goals disallowed in this match. Liverpool won for a foul, an alleged foul by, by Darwin Nunez before Cody Gakpo put the ball in the net. And then VAR ruling one out uh, for Harvey Elliott in the second period because Salah was a judge to be in the goalkeeper's line of sight. But despite that, they were able to pick up the three points and it puts them top of the Premier League before Arsenal play in a couple of days against West Ham. And Aston Villa, we've just been on the end of a turnaround against Manchester United too, so Liverpool have a little bit of breathing room over them. So we'll start, Mark, with Diogo Jota. So could I have your three-yard match review and your thoughts on the, the importance of Jota's return to the side after, like I say, what has been nine games out where Liverpool's front line has obviously been struggling quite significantly. Yeah, um, three ways I think it would be a needed victory because with Liverpool having dropped four points against Arsenal and Manchester United, it was obviously a crucial crucial fixture for Liverpool and sort of would sort of shape the way the outlook, I suppose, will be framed over the Christmas period. Um, I think in isolation, if you know, taking one point from Arsenal, who were a very good side in, in the home fixture, would have been an, an OK result. I know obviously Alexander Arnold missed the, the opportunity, but in general, it was two good teams going into head. But the Manchester United one was the one that really stung, I suppose, over the Christmas period and meant put even more pressure on Liverpool to win this away game at Burnley. And, and like I say, it was much needed in that sense. And uh, yeah, so just to touch, I suppose, on, on Diogo Jota, um, I think I mentioned, Dave, I don't know, remember, remember if it was in this podcast, actually, or one for the Echo, but mentioning Jota as potentially the most underrated player in the Premier League. And I know there's, you know, there's a lot of, a lot of people who can, players who can fall into that category. And I know, obviously, you know, Diogo Jota is a rated player within the Premier League. However, I, I think he's the perfect player you want within your squad for what I would consider sort of an elite side, really. And the reason for that is, obviously, he can play multiple positions in the forward line. I mean, obviously, in his, his first season coming in as well, we remember him playing in the, in the centre of the, the, the pitch and doing so well up until, up until his injury. And then we also know in his previous sort of Premier League career at Wolves and, and intermittently for Liverpool as well, he's mainly played off that left-hand side. And I think one of the big pluses for that is he's able to play in amongst pressure from multiple sides. He's not a player who's just got to play on the touchline, see the game with pressure from only one side of the pitch. He's able to uh, pop up in all these different kinds of areas. And it's so important for Liverpool in the way they can rotate players within game, but also, I suppose, throughout the course of the season in the way that you can potentially use them. I think his biggest sort of skill set for me is the way he can contort his body when the ball comes into him to be able to strike off both feet and apart from well you could actually argue I mean I have to actually look at the the numbers behind sort of um, taking of XG that kind of thing and shots on target but 
from the from the visual eye test, I don't think there's many better finishes within Liverpool's squad, really, especially off, as I say, both both feet and also in the air. I know we've seen less of that of late, but we also know he's capable aerially as well, even for a player not as high, I suppose, um, in stature. But yeah, that ability to be able to sort of play between them positions, I know that he can potentially do a job off the right-hand side if it, if it needs it, but it's not his ideal position. But just having that level of coldness in front of goal, that ability to be able to, to shuffle the ball out of his feet very quickly in tight scenarios, like we've seen today, and be able to finish. And also, get goals at key moments as well. I think if you look throughout sort of Diogo Jota's Liverpool career, he's been a player who's either got the, the match-winning goal or the opening goal to open up the, the, the scoreline within a game very regularly, if you look at the statistics as well. So he's not just a, a scorer of you know, multiple goals when he's on the field of play, but also really important ones which sort of shape the outcome of games as well. And like I say, that ability to be able to contort his body, receive the ball, and then be able to get that shot off with both feet, I think is the biggest trait for him. And Liverpool, we know, have been wasteful through, you know, the number of opportunities they've created on goal, the amount of good areas that they've got into on the field of play in the final phase of late. And we've seen the difference between someone who was really clinical in, the, in them sort of areas today when he come on, snapshot, left foot, and then all of a sudden the game's put to bed then for Liverpool because, you know, as much as it was looking like a comfortable game in the end, Liverpool's failure to be able to see out the game meant that it could have been a quite difficult last few minutes, really. And that, I suppose, is the difference of having that level of, of ability to just kill games off with finishing. And I suppose, just finally on him, I think sometimes the reason I say underrated as well is when you ask most people Liverpool's sort of best team, it's very rare that I speak to people and he's actually in that team. And I think one of the reasons for that is if you look at his sort of profile of Diogo Jota, you wouldn't say he's you know, a fantastic physical player in terms of you know his physical ability to out-muscle players. You wouldn't say he's got magnificent electric pace. But what he has, he's such a clever player and he makes up for them sorts of deficiencies around the penalty area by being sharper than everyone in the mines. And like I say, he's got enough sort of physical capacity to be able to stretch the play as well without being that level of, you know, quickness that's just going to create massive separation between him and the defender. His biggest attributes are his movement, his time and, and his football intelligence to be in the right areas at the right time. And I think just because he hasn't some, sometimes got that collective elite skill that you can say, right, you know, his elite trait is dribbling or his elite trait is running in behind with his, his his acceleration or whatever it might be, you know, is linking up within the game. Because none of them stand out as a, a sort of one specific area, then I feel that that's sometimes why, why it's the reason where he doesn't get selected or thought of in the high, as high as he potentially should, really. And I think if you had an opportunity in the game to potentially win Liverpool a title or win them a specific game, you'd always want him arriving in them areas, really. So, yeah, massive massive for Liverpool that he's back and he'll be a massive contributor throughout the season if he is able to, to retain his fitness because I think, Dave, that's one of his biggest issues is for Diogo Jota is he gets them run of games, picks up a muscle injury and then he's on that road to recovery again then. Yeah, I mean, I've got a couple of brief things to say on Jota. I mean, first of all, I think, you know, you mentioned about him being underrated and you know, whether he's in sort of people's first choice attacks, which I think is a very valid point. But interestingly, I think people's impression of him has actually gone up a lot in recent weeks while he's been injured because of the struggles and the limitations that we've seen from other players within 
those attacking ranks have almost made people realise maybe they were underappreciating Jota and kind of come on and, and not only score today, but to produce what was a really clinical finish from quite a tight angle as well is obviously another reminder of of what he can do. And even, I mean, even his record this season, I mean, I think it's nine goals and 18 appearances now, which is obviously a, a perfect one in two strike rate. And that's what he's all about is just, you know, that that sort of output, that end product when he is on the pitch. And obviously last year we saw a bit of a, a slump briefly, but certainly since he kind of um, returned to form at the back end of last season, you know, he's been back to sort of his prolific best. And hopefully with obviously AFCON coming up, he, he's someone who can um, really take up the mantle from Mohamed Salah, who's obviously going to be away for a few weeks with Egypt. Um, obviously, like you said, Mark, it looked like it was going to be a comfortable win. Liverpool flew out in the first half. They had, obviously, the early goal, but then I think the Burnley goalkeeper made seven saves or something like that inside the first half. Things obviously went downhill a bit in the second, um, even though Liverpool were able to get the win in the end. But before we talk about the issues after half time, what did you like about the performance from Liverpool in the first half? Yeah, I thought Liverpool dominated the, the, the first half, Dave. Obviously, the statistics have bear that out and I felt that it was a really comfortable, that's the word I just used to describe, it's sort of a weight performance. At no real time did you feel that Burnley could, could really hurt Liverpool. And on the, the other side of that, you felt Liverpool had the kind of control that they were always going to create chances and ultimately take the game away from Burnley. I felt... Um, I felt Burnley's game plan was very passive in the way they, they approached the game. Obviously, we know that they're, they're an underconfident side at the lower reaches of the Premier League. But any time, any side who would have lower ability technically and try and play, sorry, in the lower reaches of the table, who try and play against Jürgen Klopp's Liverpool throughout the last, you know, his tenure at Liverpool, they're the kind of games Liverpool want because it's set up for Liverpool. A team trying to play short, trying to build the game from the lower areas of the pitch. And Liverpool's sort of pressing distances and structure and the fact that the opposition's technical ability is probably going to see them see possession um, in them sort of areas just sets up perfectly for Liverpool to be able to then spring on the ball within that sort of counter-press scenario and then obviously create opportunities. And I felt that that was happening on a pretty regular basis for Liverpool. I felt the distances were good between the units of the team. And because of because of that, enforcing Burnley into the areas that they didn't want to play or weren't capable of playing technically, and then Liverpool were in a situation where they where they really, to be honest, Dave, they should have seen off the game in that first half, really, shouldn't they? I mean, again, you know, obviously Liverpool have gone on to win the game today, but it, it can't be sort of underestimated and bypassed that Liverpool again have been wasteful today. And, and created the scenario and created the game in a scenario, should I say, which ends up being more difficult than it needed to be. I think, feel, as we all know, within these last few weeks for Liverpool, Liverpool's biggest problem is they've got too many players in that final third of the pitch, whether it be in the attack and midfield side or the higher end of the pitch, who, who just not aren't playing well enough. They're not making the correct decisions. They're not having the right technical execution when they get into the right areas. And again, that caused Liverpool problems. I mean, a lot of what Liverpool have done throughout the last few weeks has been massively positive. You look at the amount of efforts they've had on goal. You sort of look at the sort of field tilt supremacy that they've had over the teams that they've, they've faced. There's been a lot to like about how Liverpool have gone about the game. But as everything in football, if you haven't got that quality at the top end of the pitch, that superiority is not going to count. And then you, you'd have scenarios where Liverpool ends up with a, a lack of points from, from what they should have. And yeah, so a lot to like about it. But again, that has to be a little, has to be mindful that you know too many of Liverpool's players didn't take the right opportunities at the right time. 
Yeah, I mean, coming into this season, there was no part of me that thought the discussion that we were going to be having in terms of this team's weaknesses was going to be the attack and, you know, not being clinical and things like that and um, problems in front of goal. But I suppose the last few weeks, there has been sort of the dominant narrative and that's that's fair enough. I mean, based on what we're seeing on the pitch um, and what it remains to be seen, obviously, how long, long-term long an issue that's going to be. You'd have to sort of back, I suppose, the players that Liverpool have got. You know, you mentioned not only in the attack, but also obviously feeding those attacking players to the quality that they have to kind of work things out. But um, it, it has been sort of a, a strange few weeks in that regard because everything up until that last pass or, or that last finish has been has been really good. But then they've obviously been letting themselves down in that area. And yeah, I mean, the first half, I thought, watching the first 15, 20 minutes, I thought Liverpool looked like they could win about 5-0. To be honest, you know, it, it looked like it was going to be very comfortable. Um Burnley, you know, I, I'm not going to sort of question the tactics or anything like that, but they're just a very poor team. I mean, I think you can make the case that every single player in that squad is closer to championship standard than Premier League standard. And I don't mean that in a disrespectful way, but they kind of give me a similar vibe to Luton in that I think if they went down, there'd be no sense of, disaster or underachievement at all. It'd be more what what's kind of being built long term here with the squad that they have. Um completely different obviously to the previous generations of Burnley that we've seen. Um and it's it was frustrating that Liverpool couldn't, you know, this game could have been over with with sort of three quarters of the game left to go. Um and it's a shame because it we sort of can't fully appreciate how how good Liverpool were. Um and how they were sort of picking Burnley apart. And they were doing it in different ways too. I mean, they were playing direct over the top of them. They were building up their attacks. And I mean, even early in the second half, to be fair, when that goal got disallowed, that was some really good play from Liverpool against the sort of deep set defence, which is an area where they've struggled a little bit this season. So I was really enjoying, you know, their attack and play for a lot of it. But then obviously in the in the second half, a few issues crept in and things like that, which we'll, we'll talk about now in, in the interest of kind of balance with the performance. I mean, it kind of felt like after that disallowed goal, Liverpool just completely lost control of the game and Burnley had their best spell and it was a prolonged spell and obviously they weren't able to finish it off until the 90th minute. I mean, what was it that kind of brought Burnley back into it and saw Liverpool just kind of surrendered the dominance that they'd had from pretty much minute one? Yeah, so I, I think after that period, Dave, and I don't know whether this was sort of a, a premeditated thing by Vincent Company at that time to sort of stay in the game and then change, adopt sort of slightly different tactics. But Burnley, for me, went much more direct quicker. So obviously Burnley had tried to, to play through the thirds of the pitch, build up in the deeper areas. And all of a sudden, they were playing more direct, missing Van Dijk out and hoping to pick up them second balls and gain some territory. Now, they were gaining some success of that. Obviously, one thing that we know that Liverpool sort of lack without the height of Fabinho as well, is the teams can pick up them second balls, especially aerially around Liverpool. So they went more direct when they had possession, but also there was a change about when actually Liverpool had a goal kick and Liverpool were trying to play out Burnley, then placed more players on the higher higher stage of the pitch, trying to stop Liverpool's build-up a lot higher because, for me, in the first half, Burnley was so passive in the way they were pressing Liverpool in Liverpool's build-up, that Liverpool could basically just build up until it got to a certain point where then Burnley, sort of in the mid-third, tried to produce some pressure on the ball. That changed. They, they looked to go more direct earlier. And then also when Liverpool had the ball looking to 
push more men forwards, lock onto the Liverpool players and create some problems for Liverpool in the builds up. Now, I know we've we talked about this before, but for me, one of the big problems that Liverpool have had over the last year and a half is away from home, trying to play out from organised pressure from the opposition, sometimes not even that organised, to be perfectly honest, where Liverpool will hand you the ball back. And I felt in that 10 to 15 minute spell, again, not to be outcome biased because Liverpool have won the game here and there was a lot to like from Liverpool's performance. I have to say that we have to mention that again because there was that spell where that game could have quickly got out of Liverpool's grasp. There was a terrible miss from Burnley at the back post from a free header, which then could have made it 1-1. And that all came from Burnley adopting different tactics, pressing higher, pressing onto Liverpool as they attempted to play out and build up the game. And Liverpool suffered again in terms of handing the opposition the ball back. And one thing I'd say about this, Dave, I always feel like I must caveat this, is like sometimes when you know, I'm talking about like Liverpool should have more options in the build-up. They should have you know different heights that the players, you know, positions that the players are taking up to be able to circulate the ball. You know, bearing in mind they've got Allison and probably another plus one centre half in the build-up. But what I would also say is, I feel some sort of stupid when I'm saying this because I'm telling almost Jurgen Klopp how we how we should build up the game from the back. I mean, you know, throughout my life working in academy football and stuff like that, I've encountered many of these scenarios, and it's massively difficult. So to do it in the Premier League stage, you know. I think um, you know it isn't it isn't for me to say, but just off, especially watching from a TV set as well, not being able to see the overview. But what I would say is that whichever way is preventing Liverpool to find that extra man within the build-up when a side sort of locks on, it is a continual problem, and sometimes it, it gets to the stage where it can actually hinder Liverpool to the extent where the game can be taken away from them, and Liverpool find need to find some different playing out patterns to be able to address that because. One thing I'd say is with, we are talking about Burnley adopting that cut sort of organised pressure and a team which I didn't believe were greatly organised in terms of the pressing structures, which, you know, when you're coming up against better sides who are looking to press that way, if Liverpool keep turning the ball over like that, it only takes a 10 and 15 minute spell. Because if I'm a manager watching that and how Burnley went about that in that spell, that would be the, t- the, the type of tactic that I would adopt against Liverpool, especially away from home. Because for me, watching Liverpool every week, that's the way you get success. And I think that would be the big thing that Klopp and his coaching staff will take from the game again. How did we lose control? And how are we having problems finding these passing angles to be able to play out? Yeah, I mean, obviously, you know, you mentioned the kind of coaching side of things, uh, which is very valid. But even just basic mistakes getting made in that period of the game from Liverpool. I mean, there's a there's a moment where Endo sort of plays the ball to, I think it was Brun Larson off the bench. He has a shot from just outside the box. That was just still 1-0 at that point. Um, Endo had a good game again, but that was obviously very nearly a costly error. Wasn't the only time Liverpool gave the ball away in a bad position um, in the half by any means. It was also a moment that really frustrated me when the ball went over the top to um, towards Gomez. And Alisson was kind of running out of his goal and Gomez brought it down. It was a good touch, but he passed it back to Alisson. Then Liverpool were sort of in this awkward situation. I think Alisson ended up clearing it out to play or Liverpool lost it. And it was just stuff like that. You know, just leave it for your goalkeeper um, and he'll catch the ball and then you can just completely reset. And it was just really frustrating to see basic errors in that period of the game. And it shouldn't have been, you know, Burnley. Again, I feel like I'm just being really harsh on them, but I'm... 100% sure that they'll get relegated this season. Um, like, I think I think that's pretty obvious at this point. And Liverpool shouldn't have made it into this much of a contest in the second half. It was it's sort of like, it's fine in a game for the other team, even if it's sort of, 
you know, one of the promoted sides who are obviously quite weak this year. You know, it's fine for them to have a spell within the match, you know, 10, 15 minutes or whatever, but it just lasted, it just kept going um, really up until the kind of maybe final five minutes of normal time when Liverpool were the hunt stands are genuinely threatening on the counter-attack. Um, so that was the frustrating aspect. But, you know, obviously we can't be too negative in light of a victory, which was much needed after um, a couple of draws recently. And plus, we'll obviously uh, back to the top of the table. Um, just to finish off then, Mark, I mean, we'll talk about some of the individuals that, that stood out. It was Van Dijk who got the official Man of the Match award from, from Amazon Prime. Uh, would you say... He was the player who impressed you most, or, or to someone else who you would have given that to? Yeah, I mean, first of all, Van Dijk played very well. Um, I think you know Van Dijk's been absolutely. I know we've talked about this. I think a couple of weeks ago, but um, Van Dijk, you know, for me, I know he he suffered as the the rest of the side did um, last season at times, but he's been sensational this season. And I think just in terms of. But the little bits that you just take for granted, I mean, let's take Arsenal, for example, last week, you know, to set up that game and play against the side like that, playing as high as Liverpool do, managing them distances in behind and, and the, the line consistently when the opposition are in, in possession of the ball and snuffing out opposition attacks at source. I think sometimes you take it for granted how much dominance he has over the opposition attackers. Absolutely magnificent, I think he's been. And we know, you know, all the, the sort of qualities he possesses in terms of earlier, I think he won all his duels against today, Dave, in the air. And I think in, in terms of over the course of the season so far, he's miles away in terms of aerial dual successes, dominating in the, in that sense. But I also believe, correct me if I'm wrong here, he hasn't even been dribbled past in the Premier League this season again. So, I mean, you're just looking at a player who's just a formidable barrier to the, the opposition being able to progress and, and, and ultimately create, create clean chances. And I think on the ball as well, because Liverpool's setup's been better in terms of the distances of the players in possession, we're seeing a much more return to, to Van Dijk being able to progress the ball with them switches of play, which I felt went out the, out Liverpool's game last season because they just weren't organised to be able to set up an attack cohesively. So I felt Van Dijk was very good, again. But I think we've got to caveat that by saying, let's be perfectly honest. I mean, he didn't have much to do in that first half. Let's be let's be totally honest. I mean, it was. Could have got his cigar out in the first half, but when they needed him again, everything he did was very good. Likewise, his centre back partner in Jarrell Kwanzaa, I think I think we're all impressed by him. Everyone, well, no one can fail to be in terms of how he's been playing, Dave. I think there was a again when Liverpool were under pressure in the second half. I think it was a, a situation where Burnley got down the left hand side, a little step over past Sir Bosley, and he come in and cut out a ball at the near post. And again, that was when Liverpool were under sort of severe pressure there. So not only did I think he was very good in terms of his ball-playing ability, which is standing out to me all the time, but I felt in terms of when he was asked questions in terms of his defensive work, he was up to the task again. And I think um, just in terms of him, when I'm looking at him early on, you can see that he's still got a bit to go in terms of his physical capacity because I think for me, he still looks, at, even though he's an athlete at his age, don't get me wrong, but I still think in terms of his frame filling out and his actual sort of ceiling in terms of his physicality, in terms of probably acceleration and strength, it's not quite there yet. I think you can see that. Like, for example, if he's about to play against Arsenal and manage them distances that Kanati had to in terms of that, I'd have been a bit more concerned about that. But in terms of today, he did everything consistently well. And I think one of the things, like I mentioned, that stood out as well is not just his defensive ability, his ability on the ball as well. 
I think just you know being able to play the ball over different distances, whether it's short balls, feeding the ball into midfield, breaking lines, or also playing longer passes like Van Dijk out to them sides. Um, so I felt him. And finally, I suppose the other one I'll probably pick out is Enzo's working into it. You know, he's becoming better week in, week out. I know he had that little bit of a problem towards the, the end of the game in which he played a little bit of a square pass. I know he's, he's played a lot. Of, I think he started the last seven, though, Dave. So I think he could probably maybe put that down to fatigue. But the, the other one was Alexander-Arnold, I think. Again, we take it for granted, but everything Liverpool do in terms of progressing the ball, in terms of being in dangerous scenarios, it comes from him. And you can see in the build-up, what Liverpool are basically trying to do is circulate the ball into a scenario where he can receive it. And whether, and hopefully in the most dangerous area that they can perceive, he could cons- uh, receive it. Sorry, The great thing about Alexander-Arnold is it doesn't matter really if he's in a deeper position, wider position. He still be he still seems to be able to find them moving targets playing through round or over. So I felt sometimes we're just taking for granted some of the execution of the passes he plays because he's so important to Liverpool. If he was to get injured, I think it'd massively de- determine how Liverpool's season could go. I think he's become that important to the team, as he always has been, but I think he's took on even more importance in that sense. Yeah, there's a few players um in this side who look irreplaceable. One of them's obviously about to um put that to the test um, when he goes to the Africa Cup of Nations. So we'll see what happens there. I think you're very right to mention, Trent. I think not just on this podcast, but in, in football discussions generally, sometimes we only kind of praise a player like that if he's come away with a goal or an assist. But, you know, he can only obviously play the pass into one of the attacking players. It's their job to then finish it. And that shouldn't determine whether we're kind of celebrating the passes, um, really. So, again, just the amount of moments within a game where he sort of, even on his bad days, where he sort of makes you sit back and say, wow, what a pass. I mean, I think you are right. We absolutely can't take that for granted. Um, on Endo, which is why you were talking there, I remember the stat uh, from before the game from uh, Michael Reed from Opta, who's a great account to follow for, for Liverpool stats, incidentally, said um, today is the Liverpool's fifth game in 13 days and Endo is the only player to start all five. The first outfielder um, to start as many games in a period of that length since January 2006, when Finnan, Carragher, Hippier, Gerard, Kuehl and Crouch did so. So we're going back a long time there. Someone who's played the volume of football that he has. Um, so you are absolutely spot on there, Mark. And the other one I had mentioned didn't really figure in the second half, but like we said, Liverpool's general level dropped off in that period. So it, it's more of a first half shout, but I thought Cody Gakpo played really well today. Obviously, the kind of game that would suit him in terms of Liverpool, kind of, they were having fun going forward first half. But, you know, gets the assist uh, for the Nunez goal, um, creates a few chances, won seven out of ten duels in the first half, five out of seven dribbles completed, went close to scoring himself as well. I think it's probably the best sort of half of football he's played all season as well. Hopefully, he can kick on. Interesting dynamic in the attack again, this time with Gakpo on the left and Nunez centre forward. It seems like Klopp's still working that one out a bit, but it went well today. Um, all four of the non Mohamed Salah attackers actually got um, either a goal or an assist today, which is the first time that's happened in the same match. And yeah, I mean, Nunez um, won't sort of dwell on this, but he's obviously someone who we've criticised on this podcast when he's had his bad days. So it's fair to mention that he scored a brilliant goal in this match as well. Um, and hopefully now he can like we said with basically all of the attackers who've had good games today, you know, the key is, is today going to be a flash in the pan or is it going to be a start of an upturn in form? We will see. Uh, we'll leave it there. 
uh, for today's episode. Anyway, thanks, Mark, for joining me, and thanks very much, everyone, for listening. Please do give us a five-star rating if you've enjoyed it. Remember to follow the podcast, press the notification button as well. And we've also got the podcast email address and mine and Mark's Twitter usernames in the episode description. Our next episode is going to be something a little bit different. We're going to do some mid-season player ratings. Today was Liverpool's 19th match, which means they're exactly 50% of the way through the Premier League season. So we're going to kind of take stock of where each individual is at. So make sure you listen to that one. That'll be coming out between this episode, obviously, and the one against Newcastle, which is Liverpool's next game in the Premier League on New Year's Day. But yeah, until then, thanks very much, everyone, for listening and take care.